and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to give online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. Interact with him to have a conversation. And this is hard to do, right? I mean, when we see somebody that's poor, this is hard to do. When I see a poor person, I'll be honest, I want to look away. I don't want them to think that I'm going to give them something. I want them to ask me, put me in an uncomfortable place. But I can't imagine how that feels to them. The dehumanizing feel when people are purposely looking the other way. Well, I sound... I found a video that I think emphasizes this pretty well. So we're going to watch this video and then we'll talk about it.
James 2, 1 through 4 says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes to you into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So when we see the poor among us, we need to treat them like human beings, like fellow human beings. We need to notice them, look them in the eye, and say hi. I know I need to do a better job of this. As Christ followers, we need to do a better job. So I want you guys just to take a second, ask yourself this question. Would I have treated that little girl the same way? Just in our society today, it's way too easy to do that. But that's not what Christ would want from us. Noticing the poor, recognizing that there are people, that's an important first step. We need to notice them. Number two is we can show love to the poor by giving a hand up instead of a hand out. Giving a hand up instead of a hand out. Going back to our scripture, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. That beggar was a beggar because he couldn't walk. That was why. It was the one thing that kept him from working. It's the one thing that kept him from uh, being able to be part of society, part of the culture. And so Peter looked at him and said, what does he need? What he needed was a pathway to be able to take care of himself. We call that a hand up. If, we gave him, if he gave him gold or silver, it might have fed him, you know, for that day or for maybe for the week, but he would have been still a beggar. And so Peter addressed the issue that was keeping him in poverty. And he healed him. And he entered into the temple, by the way, that might have been the first time he was ever allowed into the actual temple because he had been lame since birth. Most of us have heard the saying, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. This is super important when working with the poor. By simply giving handouts, we can actually cause even more problems. I'll give you an example of that, one that I came across. I was doing ministry in Haiti, and uh, we flew into the Dominican, Repu Dominican Republic, which is right beside Haiti, and we were driving across the island over to Haiti. And so as we were driving in the Dominican Republic, I noticed there were rice fields after rice fields after rice fields. And as soon as we crossed the border, there were just no rice fields. It was just like barren land. And I asked uh, the local Haitian, I said, so why aren't there any rice fields over here when there were a whole bunch of them? I mean, it's the same island. You know, <laughs> why isn't there any over here? And he told me, he said that what had happened was that many people had seen the poverty in Haiti and so they shipped, you know, barrels and barrels and barrels of rice into the country. 
And what had happened then is that all the people were like, well, we can either buy the rice from the local farmers or we can go get it for free at these compassion centers. And so they stopped buying the rice and the farmers went out of business. And so by being so helpful, we actually hurt them. And that, that's something that can happen again and again and again. It can happen locally as well. Handouts are not the answer. Now, certainly if somebody is starving or they you know, need food, they need water, I mean, we can certainly provide that. But what is better is to give them a hand up. One of the best ways to do this is to support education. Teaching people, teaching people how to fish. Many times when we go on mission trips, what they're asking for is education. Teach us. Leadership training, teacher training, medical training, Bible training, all those things. They want training. Things that are so easily accessible to us are not accessible in third world countries. There are important aspects of outreach and missions. But how about locally? What can we do locally to help the education system? So one of the ways is just to support it, support the education system. So here's some statistics about graduating from high school. So the median annual income, if you don't have a high school diploma, so the middle income, which means half the people who don't have a high school education are making less than 26,780 and half are making more, okay? So if you don't have a high school diploma, if you have a high school diploma, it goes up $11,000 to $37,000. Just by getting the education, your income goes up. So 26,000 is right around that poverty line. 37,000. If you have a bachelor degree, it's 61,000. Advanced degree, 75,000. So if our children in our communities around us can graduate from high school, that's going to give them a big boost, right? It's going to give them a big boost. Chances are they might actually go off to college as well. So one of the things that we want to do as a church is to support the school systems around us. So I, I met with John Trout. He's the superintendent of Concord School System. And I said, what is one thing that we can do as a church to be supportive of what you're doing with the children, supportive with the education? And um, we talked a lot about the school systems. There's actually two school systems, elementary, that are in the poor areas, and it's West Side and South Side uh, Elementary. And he said, if you could be helpful with them, that would really make a difference. So what happens is these poor children, and I'm not saying poor as I'm sorry for them. I mean, they're actually poor. They come from poor families. They come to school and they don't have anything. They don't have pencil. They don't have pen. They don't have calculator. They don't have anything. They just come without anything. And so if you don't have those things, it's going to hinder you in your education. It's going to hinder you quite a bit. And so uh, what happens is the teachers who, you know, teachers make a ton of money, right? We know that. No, they don't. They, they end up buying the bare necessities out of their own pockets and they, because they have compassion. And so they're, they're providing those to the students. And so one of the things that we can do uh, as a church is to buy those supplies for them. So we have handouts. If you guys want to hand those out. So I talked to um, a couple of the, administrators over in the Concord School Systems, and they helped us to put together this list. So I'm handing this list out so everybody can get one of what we can buy to give to the teachers, actually, in these school systems so that they can give them to the students who don't have them. 
So it's a school supply shopping list. And if you've ever had kids go to school, you, you know what this is. Um, you buy them for your own kids. But these are kids that are showing up without anything. So it's glue sticks, crayons, colored pencils, number two pencils, dry erase markers, post-it notes, red pens, highlighters, uh, composition notebooks. And what we're going to do is we're going to collect those. So I'm, I'm hopeful that you guys will go shopping because right now, by the way, everything is really cheap. If you've been shopping for your own kids, you know this. Um, but if you're going shopping for your own kids, buy some extra and then bring it back here on Sunday night, August 5th, which is two weeks from tonight. And then we will take it to the principals of those two schools and give them to the, uh, basically we'll set them up in a supply closet so that the teachers can go pull from it and give them to the students. One of the reasons that um, we're doing this is to help the poor. Another reason we're doing this is to have an inroad with the school systems and the teachers because there's so much more that needs to be done. We talked about it, but it's gonna take some small baby steps for us to, to get the doors open because it's a public school and we're a church. And for some reason, People want to keep us apart, and uh, we are here to help. So this is really important to me if you guys would be generous and help out with this because I want to make a difference with these children. And if we can get them not worried about the fact that they don't have a pencil or they don't have you know, a paper, um, I think it's going to be huge in helping their education. So that's not the only thing we're going to do as a church, but that's the next thing we're going to be doing as a church. So more things to come. So that's number two, is we can give them a hand up instead of a hand out. And number three is we can show love to the poor by doing something, really anything. That's what God is calling us to do. Do something. I mean, really, anything. Peter and John could have walked by. You know that the beggar was sitting there. How many people, hundreds if not thousands of people, walked by him every day and didn't do anything. Peter and John stopped. They did what they could. And we are called to do the same. I'll give you a story. So 10 years ago, I went on my first trip to Africa and uh, I was trying to find a partnership of how to do missions over in South Sudan. And um, I was there for a week. We went to look at farms. We looked at different ministries, all that kind of thing. But the last day for just a, the afternoon, I was able to spend time at an orphanage. It was called the Dreamland. And there were 38 children there. And these children, um, the, the orphanage had just started. So they had just taken these children in. Their parents had died uh, through um, disease, through, through the war, all kinds of reasons. Some of the kids seen it happen, some did not. Um, they had tattered clothes. Uh, they had the shell shock look on their face. Many of them, their hair was still orange tinted because the orphanage had just started, which um, in Africa, that means that they're uh, they have malnutrition. And so anyway, I spent, you know, three, four hours with these kids and I got on the plane uh, the next morning and it's a twin prop engine that is super loud when it takes off. I mean, you can't, <laughs> you can't hear anything. And I was sitting in a, a row by myself, and when the engine started, I just started to weep. <laughs> I just started to cry. Because, you know, those kids needed something. And Pastor Stanley was willing to give up a part of his life to help take care of these kids. And I tell you, on that day, I said, we're, we're going to do something. You know, I was the missions pastor at the church, and I said, we're going to do something about this. I made it my own personal 
uh, mission is to make sure that we do something to help these kids. Well, over the years, um, I was able to bring that story and, and tell it to hundreds and hundreds of people, and they got involved. And so we have had dozens of people uh, go over to South Sudan over the last 10 years. Um, and the orphanage grew from 38 to 130, you know, a bunch of kids. And uh, um, we started a program called Art for the Heart of Africa. It was a benefit where we raised funds to help pay for education, schooling, food, clothing, you name it, buildings, all that kind of stuff. And so that, that benefit alone has raised over $400,000 over the last 10 years. And um, I'm super excited about that because the people who attend that, many of you have been to that before, um, they're doing something. Those funds go and they help those kids. That's one of the ways. Um, by the way, you can mark your calendars. It's the last Friday in October, Friday, October 26th, uh, Art for the Heart. It's going to be over at the Vineyard Church in uh, Mishawaka. And I'm hoping that many of you will go. I will be there that night. So another example, um, Pastor Steve Huffman over at Vineyard Mishawaka. He wasn't a pastor when this started, but seven years ago, I believe it was, he was working at Memorial Hospital in IT, of all places, you know, computer department. And a homeless man froze to death in downtown South Bend in one of the parking garages. And he, he just got mad enough. He said, I got to do something about this. And he took it on himself. We got we to gotta change this. And he worked with the homeless shelters. He worked with the hospital, and he started something called Project Warm, which is, stands for Weather Amnesty Relief Ministry, which it takes in homeless men in the coldest months of winter and gives them a bed. And even more than that, though, because again, it's not just a handout. You don't want to just give them a bed and food and nothing else. One of the nice things is that this was a ministry. And so anyone who went out to volunteer was able to talk about Jesus to these uh, homeless men and to pray for them. And there was a lot of fruit from that over the last seven years. So, but he took it upon himself. He says, I have to do something. We need to do something to help the poor. If we see someone with their car broken down, we need to stop, guys. <laughs> Offer our help. Most of the time, they won't take it, but but we need to stop and help, offer our help. If we see a beggar, man, it's hard to know what to do. We've all seen them, right? We'll work for food on the side of the road. As I was preparing this message, I saw someone, and I looked over at him, and I thought, oh, I don't know what to do, God. He said, well, remember your first point. Notice him. So I just looked over at him, and I saw his bike that he had rode up, and he was standing there. He looked over at me. He was laying away. And we just did a little head nod, you know, which is something I would do with any of you. If I saw you, just do a little head nod and acknowledge you. And I was like, that was it. That's all I needed to do. If you don't know, most homeless people with a sign have an addiction problem. Most of them do. Um, I'm not saying all of them, but most of them do. And so when you hand them money, just cash, it, it really doesn't help. But the, many times they're hungry. They're thirsty because what they do get, they usually spend on alcohol or drugs. 
And so there have been times when I have been convicted by God. I, I'm going to a drive-thru and I see the homeless person and God's like, you should buy like two burgers, you know? I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can do that. And you know, the homeless person has never told me, no, I don't want a burger, you know? They'll take it, usually. But even if they don't, you're trying, right? I mean, looking the other way, I don't believe is acceptable. And I've done it way too many times, way too many times. Engage the person in a conversation. By the way, if international missions is something that um, you think you would like to be part of one day, buy a passport today. I mean, it's something you can do is be prepared. And you're going to hear this a lot from me probably over the next weeks and months and years. Um, I think every one of you should go on an international mission trip. So I'm going to say every one of you should have a passport because you never know when God's going to ask you to go. Our next, our, our first mission trip as Lighthouse uh, Vineyard Church is going to be most likely uh, next February and March. And uh, when we get the details laid out for that, we'll be announcing it. And so I would, it'd be exciting, you know, if you guys already had your passports in hand and you're like, I think maybe we should go. And uh, we have found a way to do international missions where it is helpful. It's not what I saw over in Haiti where it was hurtful. Uh, we found a way. I've been on enough mission trips. Um, Lyndon and Krista Bontrager were missionaries for several years, like 20 years, wasn't it? No, like four years. Yeah, four years. So they, they, they know how um, we can, we're going to have some good mission opportunities. But you can't go if you don't have a passport. So that's one of the very first things you can do is get your passport. Here's a, a fill-in, your last fill-in. We can't be the hands and feet of Jesus unless we use our hands and feet. It's a simple statement. I'd add in there our time, our money, our resources, our emotions. I'm going to invite Krista to come back up here um, as we get ready to close. I'm just going to read a story that is pretty um, well known. So most of you have probably heard this before, but it just reminded me again when we talk about helping the poor. Um, this, this story just comes to mind every time. Once upon a time, there was an old man who used to go to the ocean to do his writing. He had a habit of walking on the beach every morning before he began his work. Early one morning, he was walking along the shore after a big storm had passed and found the vast beach littered with starfish as far as the eye could see, stretching in both directions. Off in the distance, the old man noticed a small boy approaching. As the boy walked, he paused every so often, and as he grew closer, the man could see that he was occasionally bending down to pick up an object and throw it into the sea. The boy came closer still, and the man called out, Good morning. May I ask what it is you are doing? The young boy paused, looked up, and replied, Throwing starfish into the ocean. The tide has washed them up onto the beach, and they can't return to the sea by themselves. The youth replied, When the sun gets high, they will die unless I throw them back into the water. The old man replied, But there must be tens of thousands of starfish on this beach. I'm afraid you won't be able to make much of a difference. 
The boy bent down, picked up yet another starfish, and threw it as far as he could into the ocean. Then he turned and smiled and said, It made a difference to that one. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And if we are going to be a church that loves our neighbor, that loves people, we need to find out, we need to figure out how to love the poor, each one of us. We have to do this. And it starts with you personally, each one of us having a heart that is open to loving the least of these around us. So we're going to do something a little different tonight. I'm going to ask all of you to stand. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to give online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.